Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am thrilled to bring back Cyrus Sigari for this special episode. In his last appearance on the Bentonville Beacon, Cyrus gave us a dive into the future of mobility and Bentonville's unique role in building that future. And now about 10 months later, he is returning to the show to talk about the next steps for the state of Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas in driving the future of mobility. As a refresher, uh, Cyrus is the co-founder and managing partner of Up Partners, which is an early stage venture capital firm investing in entrepreneurs and companies that move people and goods cleaner, faster, and at a lower cost by air, land, sea, and space. And through Up Partners, Cyrus led the creation of the Up Summit, which has become the distinctive gathering for leaders and innovators around the world in transportation. Notably, that summit rotates between Bentonville and Dallas each year. And um, also, Cyrus is a board member of Game Composites, which is a Bentonville-based aircraft manufacturer. And he's also the co-founder and chairman of the board for Jet Aviva. And then finally, as the final part of this not-all-encompassing introduction, Cyrus was appointed by former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson to lead or, or chair the Future Mobility Council for the state. A couple of months ago, that council released its report on the future mobility and outlining a plan for Arkansas's leadership in that sector. And that report is exciting. Frankly, it's jaw-dropping. So I can't wait to talk about it. Cyrus, welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. James, thanks for having me. Looking forward to updating you on all the things that have changed and progressed since we visited last. Wonderful. Well, let's get this episode off the ground. Last time you were on the show, you and your partner were just a few days away from having a baby boy. So let's get the most important question uh, <laughs> in right now. What's it like being a new father, a new dad? Man, it's uh, it's pretty darn exciting. and. Uh, you know, it actually it makes me feel that much more passionate about the work that we're doing. As I think about the world that uh, my son Phoenix gets to inherit and that the, the world I want him to live in, I want him to live in a world where the sorts of technologies we're talking about, be it drone delivery, autonomous cars, flying cars, rocket ships, hydrogen burning cargo sea liners, all the sort of things we were promised as little kids work that much harder to make them become a reality so that he, he can benefit from him and his future kids can benefit from it. Because ultimately, I think it just makes the world a better place. So being a dad's been pretty cool. And it's just made me that much more serious about the work we're doing. Very cool. Well, hey, we asked, uh, I asked Cyrus a whole bunch of questions about him uh, in the last episode. So to get Cyrus's full story, 
encourage you in the audience to go check that out. Of course, after this episode, you can find it by searching in your browser, Exploring the Future of Mobility with Cyrus Sagari. This should pop up right to the top. Cyrus, will you tease out some highlights, though, of your background and experiences? Sure. I, you know, I'm a first-generation Iranian-American. My parents came to the U.S. as refugees in 1979, fleeing the Islamic Revolution in Iran. And um, I got to tell you, it, it, it makes me pretty proud to be an American, to, that for there to be a country where people can, frankly, escape to and then create a better world as a result of it. You know, there aren't many places in the world where you get the opportunity to, to build the sort of things that I've had the opportunity to build. They just, I, I can't think of a country where this can happen. And so from, from that perspective, proud American, proud to, to continue to support all the great work that's happening in this country the state of Arkansas and sort of the region broadly. My life's passion has been in and around aviation and mobility broadly. Been flying since I was a little kid, was an aerospace engineer, designed airplanes and flight test engineer, test pilot, built some aviation businesses and really got inspired by the convergence of exponential technologies that have all come together around the same time that have created a pathway for that to really be change as it relates to mobility. You know, mobility is the underlying fabric of society. It's a $10 trillion market. And it, it's what allows us to live very rich human experiences. You know, just a stunning statistic. Only one out of five humans living on the planet today has ever flown on an airplane. Hmm. 80% of humanity isn't online, if you will, as it relates to sort of the, the greatest form of, you know, earth-based mobility. And you think about how all of, I assume most of the folks listening to this are probably flown on an airplane before, but think about what your life would have been like if you didn't have that. My parents wouldn't have come seek refuge in this country if they wasn't an airplane. Maybe they would have found on a ship, but probably wouldn't have been as easy. And so I'm, I'm really passionate about helping propagate these sorts of technologies further and further to, into society. And the way we do it day to day is through investing in, in early stage startups that are creating this really exciting future. So land, air, sea, space, move people and goods cleaner, faster, safer, lower costs, as you so aptly described in your, your introduction. Man, that's, that's fantastic. That one in five statistic, I think you might've mentioned it last time too. And that's, to me, it's still really a surprising number. And also the 80% of the world isn't connected. Of course, you know, I shared with you, I think after the last show that my wife uh, was a refugee, came here from Iran as well. And her whole family has come here as well. And so uh, we share that, that experience. I think it's pretty neat, or I don't share the experience, but that connection that I think is pretty neat. You know, as I mentioned a few moments ago, in our last discussion, you talked about the future mobility and your role leading uh, Governor Hutchinson's Future Mobility Council. Recently, the council delivered its final report. And, uh, you know, for the audience, it's, it's a first in the nation comprehensive future mobility plan that addresses Arkansas's leadership in the changing future of moving goods and people. Before we talk about the findings and recommendations, Cyrus, will you start out by, at a high level, sharing the objectives of Arkansas Future Mobility Council? Yeah. So the, you know, back in uh, January, February of 2022, Governor Hutchinson was, was kind enough to, to ask me to, to lead a, um, a very diverse coalition of folks from the largest companies in Arkansas, 
the largest academic institutions in Arkansas to um, different cabinet members of his from energy, transportation, commerce, and small business owners to all sort of come together. And as you said, really a first in the nation future mobility council that's bringing together all the constituents that are meaningful players in this ecosystem to chart a path forward for the state. There have been similar activities across the country, but there hasn't been one that's really wholesome and fulsome Mm -hmm. across these different ideas of land, air, sea, space, and how to take advantage of of all this. And it was just an incredible experience. First off, seeing how, how ready people are to get to work in the state, that, you know, that idea of service leadership, servant leadership and enthusiasm around this in a way that there were like, there was no natural enemy. There was no like, no, we don't, there was nobody saying, no, I don't want this, which was, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And I, I haven't had a whole lot of experience dealing with government related initiatives, but this certainly made me pretty hopeful about how, how when you give people a common vision to work together, you know, some pretty exceptional work can, can happen. And, and I think by virtue of the, the, um, some of the, things that have happened as a result of our recommendations already in a very short period of time, I'm pretty fired up. And I think we're just getting started. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So let's go deeper then. You know, mobility represents this multi-trillion dollar market across all facets of uh, commerce and industry. And, you know, Arkansas has a real opportunity to lead, really to disrupt innovations and opportunities in the space for our people, for our nation, and really for the world. But we can't sit back and wait. It's not going to come to us. We have work to do. What are some of the key findings of the council and some of the recommendations that you made? Yeah, so I'll give you a few of the findings and a few of the specific activities that have come out of it. Uh, one of the things that we really looked at is, is how do you take advantage of the region, not just the state? Mm-hmm. And how do you get the n- neighboring states to work together and creating a coalition that can really help the heartland create an effective super region for the future mobility. Between what's happening in Tennessee with FedEx and a lot of the automotive manufacturers there, to what's happening in Oklahoma around energy and aerospace, what's happening in Arkansas around you know, logistics, supply chain, aircraft manufacturing down in Little Rock with SO, in Texas with all the incredible things happening with SpaceX and Tesla. Just the this sort of connection, this fabric amongst these center of the country states is really unprecedented. When you mm-hmm. look at all of those sort of industries and so create a strategy. And so we we started that. One of the first things we did was actually created an MOU with, with the state of uh, Oklahoma with Governor Stitt and Governor Arkansas around there to be connective tissue between the states and harmonizing policy, academia, investment, industry. The There's a joint NSF application that's been put mm-hmm. in to unlock close to $160 million of, of investment from National Science Foundation into Northwest Arkansas and Eastern Oklahoma, which if just that one thing happens as a result of this report, cool, we, we've, we've won. But we made a lot more recommendations, a lot more consequences have come as a result of it. Just recently, there was one of the recommendations we made was around taking advantage of the space economy, mm-hmm. which you know, people would scratch their head and say, well, what the heck does Arkansas have to do with the space economy? And it's like, well, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of stuff going on. One, and there's already a leadership position, potentially in southern, central, central and southern Arkansas around industry for, for space and defense, mm-hmm. where a lot of folks are, are working in that, in that area as we speak. But with new space launch technologies 
Arkansas can have a spaceport. And people would say, well, that's crazy. Well, it's really not that crazy. Oklahoma's got one. Tennessee, uh, Texas has got one. New Mexico's got one. Florida's got one. There are some restrictions on the type of launch you can do out of a state like Arkansas because you're landlocked and you don't have mm-hmm. your access to uh, being over water. But that does not mean that you can't have a spaceport. And so just through the most recent legislative cycle, we got approval for the funding of a study to explore the viability of, of a spaceport in Arkansas, which if just that one thing happened, that'd be worth the entire exercise of, of that. But a lot more has happened and it's going to continue to happen around investment and the work that's happening in University of Arkansas around um, some grant monies that have been allocated towards creating effectively a center of excellence for mobility as an area of focus for engineering and sciences at, at the University of Arkansas. There's some really, you know, so much of the work we did is just storytelling stories that are already happening, but stitch them together in one arc. You know, like University of Arkansas has one of the preeminent power electronics laboratories mm-hmm. in the country. I, you know, I didn't know that until I actually started to scratch and sniff. And, you know, I'm pretty, I'm at the pointy tip of the spear. And so I imagine a lot of other folks probably weren't aware of that. The work we do with the Up Summit. I mean, the Up Summit that we co-host with Tom and Stuart Walton in, in Bentonville every other year has become the the singular event around the future of mobility that people fly in from around the world to participate in. We had close to a trillion dollars of capital represented across 250 people that, you know, the largest, most impactful investors, some of the largest companies in the world outside of the Arkansas-based companies were making their, their major announcements there. We had an electric vertical takeoff and landing flying vehicle fly from Burlington, Vermont, all the way to Bentonville, fully electric, earning $17 of, of electricity per 250-mile leg. Like, this is really, really cool, exciting stuff. And then, you know, let alone the great work that companies like Walmart are doing, where you've got, you know, drone delivery happening in people's backyards today. There are not many cities in the United States where what's happening in Bentonville and in Pea Ridge and that area, that's that's just, this is like, again, pointy tip of the spear is happening in Northwest Arkansas around extrapolating these sorts of technologies for the betterment of society. I could go on and on here, James, but you know, it's well, the bottom line is that um, we, we had a collective vision, a great moment in history to take real action, to take advantage of these opportunities, work together as a community, create a plan, present the plan, and then let sort of the community run forward with it. And I just, I feel really blessed to have the opportunity to have a small part in all that. Well, I, I'm thankful that you're you're helping out with this and that you are part of it. This is really incredible. I mean, you mentioned the Power Electronics Program, and I'd not thought about that. But, you know, folks may not know that, boy, I'm, I'm going to drop the ball on the name of the company. Is it Ozark Electronics? I can't remember the name of the company. But, uh, you know, there's a company here that makes electronics for space vehicles that, you know, when you go into th- th- that can survive high heat and is low heat the right word? Uh, very cold environments, you know, that goes in many of the space vehicles that are being launched. So uh, there's a lot happening here. It's really exciting. The U of A, of course, the University of Arkansas is dropping a, uh, a report and recommendations uh, here soon for what they might do. And so that's very exciting too. Cyrus, what's next? I mean, how do we, you mentioned the spaceport study being funded. How do we make the other recommendations happen or, you know, in the face of the many competing priorities that are out there, what's your sales pitch to keep this thing moving to accelerate progress on the council's recommendations? A significant amount of the recommendations we made in the report had to do with uh, workforce development mm-hmm. and building a 
future workforce of Arkansas in the world of science, technology, engineering, math that can go to work and help build these sort of future companies. And, you know, something we're really grateful to the current governor, you know, the literally the first thing she did was go and make Arkansas the first or second highest paying, you know, Mm -hmm. state in the nation for teachers and um, being able to enhance the the focus and dollars and energy towards education. And, you know, it's not obvious that when you're creating a future mobility plan for a state that really, really thoughtful STEM education would be like one of the most important areas of, of focus. But if we think of if we think in 10-year in increments, not one-year increments, like it might be the single most important area of investment mm-hmm. and, and strategy. And so, you know, I could say a significant part of our report got done as a result of the, the work that uh, Governor Sanders has done with the Department of Education and, and the colleagues and the number of the folks that were involved on our, on our council that had effectively put forth suggestions and recommendations on what to do there. So, so that's, that's really big. I think you've got the major companies that are in the state that are just going to continue to lean into technologies like J.B. Hunt and ArcBest and Walmart and Dassault and Tyson that, you know, at the core, they're all mobility companies. They just, the end product, how they, what they do with it is different, right? Mm-hmm. Walmart moves a couple hundred billion items a year. They just happen to sell it once they, they, they move them. J.B. Hunt moves them, but doesn't sell them. You know, Tyson builds them and then moves them and sells them. And then, and, um, or grows them rather as opposed to build. Maybe they'll be building things with sort of in laboratories in the not so distant future as it relates to synthetic created meats, which I know they're they're interested in. And Dassault is, you know, building them, flying them, testing them, some. So all these different areas around the uh, major industries is is rather important. And it's in the best interest of these companies to continue to lean in. Uh, so, you know, it's not like we have to tell them to do it. It's ultimately better for their 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 bottom line. So really excited to see so much continued enthusiasm and excitement and and you don't have to pull people here. You know, they're they're going and you get pulled with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think about teacher pay and, and look, going from, I mean, really Arkansas has been in the bottom 10 and for my entire life in teacher pay. And so launching us in the top two or three is incredible to think about, even of itself. This was a state where, uh, you know, Governor Hutchinson, one of its, one of the hallmarks uh, or one of the things that he did was made sure that computer science education was part of high school education in terms of the first state in the country to require computer science credits to be able to graduate. And so there's a lot that the state has done already and is doing. I'm really excited about the future just from an education standpoint as as a result. You mentioned uh, J.B. Hunt and Tyson, Art Best and Walmart and so on. Uh, you know, will you highlight then Bentonville's and Northwest Arkansas's part in this effort. That is, how are we capitalizing on advancements right now? You mentioned some of those and, and opportunities in future mobility. And what, what must we do in Bentonville to propel mobility and our state forward to lead the transformation of mobility? At the core, really, it is the largest companies that are based there. You know, they, they have, they've got to be the ones to continue to do what they're going to do anyways. And, and create an opportunity for a startup ecosystem to engage with them that mm-hmm. um, can be homegrown. And, and that requires a few elements. One is have the workforce. And in this case, it's either, you know, graduates coming out of University of Arkansas or employees working at some of these companies or, or folks that, that 
get to to move to the region because they want to 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 create opportunities and and have some of the largest companies in the world as their customers. So you've already got a very open sort of invitation from these companies that they want to engage, which which is really cool and exciting um, to kind of see. Then you need investment. You need to have the ability for a startup ecosystem to get access to capital to go build companies. And you know that's that's my day job is finding these incredible entrepreneurs, listening to the stories, evaluating the opportunity, and backing them and supporting them. So for any of your listeners that are looking to start companies in, in the world of technology and the future mobility, you know, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see if, if we can support you. And it's not just our organization. There's a number of other venture capital firms in the region, angel groups. There's this group called the 412 Angels, mm-hmm. which is, you know, they get together and they 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 make angel investments. There's a Tento Capital, which is uh, between Tulsa and, and Bentonville. There's New Roads, which is a, a, a very uh, prominent and strong venture firm that's investing in all things logistics and, you know, the whole sort of underlying theme of the things we're talking about. Of course, the work we're doing at Up Partners and, you know, there's there's a lot that's already out there. And you need to get all these different elements of these ecosystem working together to create magic. And, you know, in this world where things are changing so rapidly with things like chat GPT and mm-hmm. the, I mean, we, we have, we've had our iPhone moment. The way the iPhone changed the world just happened again. And if folks aren't paying attention to this, you really should. I'm, I'm telling all of my CEOs, all the people I work with, you should be investing a minimum four hours a week studying and learning these new tools that are coming out. Mm. Because if you don't, your competitors will, and they're going to figure out a way to get significant leverage in ways that you can't. And you know, I don't lead with like fear. This is more like, don't lose this opportunity to, to, you know, my background's engineering, the aerospace. I didn't really do much programming. And I used ChatGPT to write a program for me. Yeah. And I'd never done it before. Never used Python before. And I'm like, and I've heard enough people doing this. I'm like, I should, I need to do this. I need to see how it works so that I can actually recognize what the consequences are. So I would recommend everybody listening to go create a ChatGPT account and just learn how to talk to it. Because yeah. there will be those that the world's going to bifurcate, those that know how to use these technologies and the ones that don't. And I, unfortunately, I'm, I believe that those that don't learn how to use these technologies are going to get left behind and not, not be able to participate in this exceptionally new, exciting economy. You are exactly right. And, and I think that's the key, knowing how to use it too, right? It's one thing to create an account, but knowing how to talk to it, what questions to ask, how to ask the questions. Like I'm using chat GPT a lot lately and, um, you know, it's pretty confident when it's wrong. And so you have to have enough knowledge of what it's talking about. Also, when you're asking about content to be able to point it in the right direction, and then you have to ask, know how to ask it the right question to get the right answer. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty incredible tool and, uh, there's more coming. You know, what's really interesting is the future engineers and scientists, mm-hmm. the most important skill they'll need is language. Yeah. Which is really interesting. You know, you think about like, if you're like, well, I'm going to be a math major or science major, I don't really need to go to that English class or that literature class or that creative mm-hmm. writing class. Oh my gosh. No, that's like, like you, that the amount of resources we need to be putting 
towards helping people learn how to translate a vision from their mind into spoken word or written word is the new computer science. Like programming may not be a thing in five years. Hmm. Like that's, that's from the most profound programming experts on the planet. That's the way they see the world. It's, can I use language to articulate what I want a machine to do for me and communicate? And so this is a, a really significant inflection point for society. Yes, it is. And, and, I, and, and it's as a result of when I say we're having an iPhone moment, the most important companies that will ever be built are, have yet to be built. Mm. Wow, that's fascinating. I love it. I can't wait to see what more comes out of it then. Cyrus Up Partners also dropped a report recently uh, called the 2023 Macro and Micro Trends in Mobility. And it discusses, you know, how unlocking this next wave of opportunities will require disruptive innovations uh, in multiple dimensions, technology, infrastructure, supply chain, human resources. Will you expand on what that means? Yeah. So we, we spent about six months doing a really detailed research project to really help inform ourselves, our partners, and society writ large on what we think are some of the most important macro and micro trends around the future mobility, land, air, sea, space, really for a few reasons. One is doing that hard work really helps us sharpen our, our, our sword in our point of view of what things are real, what things are mm. smoke and mirrors, what are real opportunities, what are real challenges, and, and how do we drive commitment as we're deploying our investors' money? Like We want to have a very defensible position why why we think this trend is real and this one's not, and here's why. And and that and I, I believe the best way to do that is through really thought, well thought out research. Once you've done the research, then you can have a point of view. So so we did that across the entire sort of spectrum of mobility for the most part. And some pretty significant findings have, have come out of that. And and if you like, I'm happy to hit on a few of those. Oh sure, you. please. You know, there's this kind of actually probably one of the most fascinating things is every human being should be really proud of all of our previous human beings that got us here as it relates to the progress we've made with mobility. If you go back to the beginning of the industrial revolution in the kind of mid 1880s or mid 1850s to now across all forms of mobility, land, air, sea, space, there's been about a three to 4% reduction in cost per year in all of those modalities <laughs> to move a pound of payload. And if you use that, that trajectory by 2050, it may get to darn near free to move something. Wow. Now you, you say that that's crazy. Well, I'll just give you one really very relevant example. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but in the not so distant future, Elon Musk is going to launch Starship. And for your listeners, if you're not paying attention to Starship, you, you really should. Starship is a is the largest rocket ever built. And you should think of it as like the railway to space. And the fact that it's reusable makes it effectively free to get a pound of payload to space, whereas before it was on the order of millions of dollars to get a pound of mm -hmm. payload to space. I mean, already Falcon 9 and the work that SpaceX is doing is order magnitude cheaper, but it's going to get like two order magnitudes cheaper to get something to space. So this new rocket will be able to get like 100 people to space at a time. Wow. And beyond space and people, it's getting things to space. We're like, well, why do I care? Well, there's actually a lot of reasons to care. From a defense perspective, this is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. 
especially with what's going on in Eastern Europe right now, and more importantly, what's happening with China from manufacturing. There's some significant benefits to manufacturing in space over on Earth, particularly in the in biotech. This sounds crazy, but manufacturing human organs using stem cells is a thing that's happening, and you can do a much, much, much mm-hmm. better job of that in space, which is pretty important. Fiber optics, much ch- cheaper to manufacture in space if you can get it back and forth cheaply. There's just a lot of secondary, tertiary consequences of all this. And so I use that one example as like, as you continue to get the cost down in all forms of mobility, you have you unlock new things that you could never begin to understand. Another set of really interesting things is around the electrification of everything. Mm. So, you know, we're going electric cars, electric airplanes, electric boats. Um, what are the consequences of this? And it's not all good. There's some real things we have to be mindful of as a society. So I'll just give you a data point. Last, last year in Norway, 88% of new cars sold in Norway were electric. 88%. That's like a sh- shocking statistic. And that's been about over a 10-year period that that's happened. Now, Norway, not a very big country. The, the Scandinavians are rather eco-friendly and culturally compliant. And you know they have, it's a very wealthy country. They can afford sure. these things. And, but the number one economy, economic driver in Norway is oil. Like one of the largest oil economies in the world. And they said, no, we're going to go fully electric. Okay, well, let's compare that to the United States. Last year, 12% of cars in the United States were electric. So, okay, it's a big, big gap between here and, and 88. How does it look in China? Well, it's about 30% in China. New cars, 30% of new cars sold in China were electric. Wow. So the initial reaction to that, wow, you know, the Chinese are exceptionally forward thinking from a sustainability and environmental perspective. So, that may or may not be the case. There's reasons to believe that it's not the case. But more importantly is this is an economic independence play from China. If you look at China, there is no native oil industry in China. They import all of their oil and gas from Russia and Middle East you know, and other places in the world. But it is an exceptionally rich electric economy. They, they own majority of the Lithium and cobalt and nickel and that whole ecosystem is in China. And it's what's powered the creation of iPhones and MacBooks and all this consumer electronics stuff. They just happen to have the resource there, an economy that knows how to build these these sort of battery packs. And so in my opinion, this big push by the, the Chinese government and the economy to be going so strong electric is to become less dependent on oil. And and I think there's actually a rather important moment for the U.S. industrial complex to think very soberly about going too fast to electric. Why? Because we become beholden to China mm-hmm. as it relates to our source of energy. And, you know, the country has already been dealing with energy independence as an area of, of discussion. But this is this is like national security kind of stuff. And look at what's happened from a price perspective. The the price of a lithium-ion battery pack over the last three years has gone up 800%. Wow. And over the next 10 years, you're going to see a 10x demand in lithium-ion batteries. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. That's a doubling of what we did last year every year for 10 years. You tell me another industry that's in the physical world that has mines and factories and you know trucks and stuff moving things around that doubles every year for 10 years. I can't think of one unless you're in a time of war where you're building you know, tanks and 
airplanes to, you know, protect yourself. So like there's some really big societal industrial consequences to, to all these. And so there's just a a few, I I could probably go on for a few hours talking about the findings of this report, but um, it goes back to the purpose of why doing it. It's really to help inform our point of view and and things we want to invest in um, and things we may not want to invest in. Wow, that's that's incredible. I had not uh, thought about that. Um, so, how how do we find? Are there other places in the world where we can find these <laughs> these things like lithium and, and cobalt and nickel? Well, all your listeners should be really excited to know that one of the largest lithium brine deposits in North America is in Arkansas, mm-hmm. in southern Arkansas. And I've spent some time studying this recently, and this is pretty darn exciting. Like there is, there is a, the makings of some pretty significant economic impact for the state and like the, the central concentration of it is in Arkansas. Um, there are not many other places in the U S that has lithium deposits that are easily accessible and can meet, meet the environmental impact studies and whatnot. Now lithium brine is an interesting thing. It's actually there. It's uh, liquid in the ground mm-hmm. that has all sorts of minerals in it. They can pump this liquid out. They can tease out the lithium and then they can send the liquid back. This isn't like digging holes in the ground to go, you know, with, with excavators and whatnot. It's the holes already in the ground. You just got to pump the water out, the brine out, and then you need the, the facilities to be able to process the, the actual minerals out. So this is actually a rather environmentally like good thing. It's not, this isn't, you know, scarring the earth to go pull these, these minerals out of the ground. Now, places like Nevada and have a lot of sort of virgin material where you got to scrape it out of the ground. And one of the key things with any sort of lithium extraction process, particularly more traditional ones, is you need a lot of water. Hmm. It's not a lot of water in Nevada. There's a lot of water in Arkansas. Yes. Uh, and you need cheap, cheap electricity too. So, and really kind of goes from like uh, East Texas Arkansas and into sort of some of the neighboring states is where this this major deposit is. The the largest deposits outside of China are in um, Chile. That's where you get a lot of the stuff that comes out of the ground. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's pretty exciting to know that we have this deposit here. Uh, so not only are we one of the few places in the world you can find diamonds, now we've got lithium. That's there you go. It's really yep. exciting stuff. It is. It is. Yeah. So. We're getting short on time, but this conversation, of course, is super interesting. I'm really excited that we get to get you back on the show. Let's get lined up for our final approach. To you, what's the, if you had to say, this is the number one most exciting mobility mega trend right now, what would you say that is? I, you know, honestly, I think it's drone delivery. Hmm. And I know folks are, have been hearing a lot about that in Arkansas, but let me just give you some statistics. Last year, there were one and a half million drone delivery flights. That was a 200% increase from the year before, which was a 200% increase from the year before, which was a 200% increase from the year before that. We've reached this the exponential trend for drone delivery flights and the development of technologies and social acceptance and regulatory acceptance to be able to proliferate that type of technology for the betterment of society. And the consequences here are not, like, they're not trivial. Like you're taking DoorDash cars off the road, you're you're giving you're creating effective teleportation of I mm-hmm. want something I have it and practically free. You know this goes back to the comment I made earlier. 
this reduction in cost of moving things. This is a really cool statistic. Uh, so Google has a drone delivery company called Google Wing. They did about 500,000 of those delivery flights last year. Hmm. And if you get a box of pasta delivered to your home with Google Wing, the amount of energy it takes to move it from the store to your home is less than the amount of energy it takes to boil the water to put the pasta in. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's free. It's free. So, you know, people will laugh at me and throw tomatoes when I say that, hey, by 2050, there's a, there's a pathway, there's some history to say that we're kind of on a pretty good trajectory. And, um, and I've got the data to prove it. So I'd say that's, that's really rather quite exciting. And, and sort of more broadly, like the trend of uh, interest from the next generation of builders, entrepreneurs, high school kids to be inspired to go work on problems worth solving and becoming less interested in their TikTok page or mm-hmm. their Instagram page or, their, or something that's more a, a, a robber of somebody's time and attention and energy and reminding people that we, we all have some sort of divine purpose in our, our hearts and minds. And there's tools out there to help us go realize those purposes that can be of service to all of humanity. And it may be in a, your local community, it might be in your state, it might be your country, it might be the world. For everyone, it's a bit different. And, and I think we're in a, a hopeful time, despite what the news tries to tell us that we shouldn't be hopeful. And, uh, and I think that's probably, you know, one of the, the more exciting things for me on a day-to-day is my job literally is to stare at hope. It's not mm-hmm. to stare at that problems. If I see a problem, I just look at, okay, well, there's an opportunity. And, and I just hope that more and more folks can benefit from that type of thinking. That's very cool. I mean, you made the hair stand up on my neck. What an exciting time to live. I mean, you know, you exciting. think about folks living from 1900 to 2000, saw this massive transformation in the world. But thinking about our kids going from 2000 or even now 2020 then to 2120, I wonder what that's going to be like. It's, it's going to be an unbelievable time of, of change that they get to experience. Can I just hit on that for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah. I just saw something yesterday that really like woke me up as a new dad. You're my son in the not so distant future will have an AI friend in a physical form that will talk to him and teach him and ask him questions to help him learn at a, at a rate that could significantly alter the course of his life in a really positive way. You know, Mm -hmm. using this underlying general artificial artificial general intelligence platform which we reached this iphone moment like anything i'd want my kid to learn from me i could have happen from a, a machine and there's you could be scared of that mm-hmm. and you rightfully should be but you could also be hopeful at the same time and and i think i'm i'm generally on the pathway of like wow this this could be awesome if we do the right things and um and i think education is going to be one of the biggest areas of explosive growth that we see as a result of these sorts of technologies. And um, like I said, I'm just, I feel fortunate to be alive during this time. Yeah, me too. Well, I want that for my son. And, and I'm just thinking about, you know, also how game changing this is if we can really make it accessible to every person. Right. It's unbelievable. You know, last time you were on the show, you shared a hashtag because Bentonville story and uh, that being the trademark question of this show. I'd like to ask you that again. And just real quick, I'll say for the audience that may be listening for the first time, a hashtag because Bentonville story is a, it's a story or a moment that happened that perhaps you look at it and say, 
that could only happen here, or it describes the essence of Bentonville. What do you have to share with us this time, Cyrus? I, I got two that just came to mind. Excellent. The, the first one was I went to 21C Hotel not mm-hmm. too long over a couple years ago. And I remember there, I couldn't park. So I made a left and there was a parking lot where there's, you know, the Arvest and a few other shops and whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I pulled into the spot and I see a sign. And I'm expecting the sign to say, don't park here. And it, to the contrary, it says, of course you can park here. <laughs> Which again, is just, is so emblematic of the, the cultural feeling of, you know, like it says on the side of the, um, of momentary, mm-hmm. uh, you belong here. Like there's that feeling of belonging, even if you're not from there. I'm not originally from Arkansas, but man, there's something special in the water there. The second thing is back at the Heartland Summit, which was held in I think May of last year, mm-hmm. folks were walking from the record to across the square to go to space just across from 21C. And it was just a normal Wednesday afternoon in Bentonville. And there were these high school girls sitting at the square with signs that said, free hugs. <laughs> and people walked past them like, why would you walk past a free hug? That sounds awesome. It's like, yeah. cool. Like, where else is that? I mean, it felt like a scene right out of a movie. It was incredible. Just, just awesome. Yeah, I will never turn down free hugs. I mean, <laughs> Me too. I'm, I love, I, I think I got like a master's degree in hugging. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it. <laughs> Well, if you ever get to meet my wife, get ready because she's got a, a, I think she has a PhD in hugging. Um, Learn from her. uh, Absolutely. Okay. Let's start landing the plane. First, before I forget to ask, how many people reach you and learn more about you or up partners or access uh, up partners, new 2023 macro and micro trends and mobility report? Uh, so to, to get the report, just go to our website, up.partners. There's no .com or .net or anything, just nice. up.partners. And you can find the report on the website. To, to get in contact, just drop me an email, cyrus, C-Y-R-U-S, at up.partners. And uh, I look forward to hearing from folks. Cool. Well, also, uh, very importantly, if folks want to read the Arkansas Future Mobility Report, how do they find that? It's, uh, the website is arfuturemobility.com. Well, if you're listening out there and you're trying to scribble, don't worry about it. We'll put it all in the uh, the show notes so you can find those links there. Cyrus, final question. What's something that I should have asked you but did not? Oh, man, James, you always ask such great questions. I'm not sure that you you left much on turn, but <laughs> um, just just grateful you get a chance to, to visit with, with you and all of your, your listeners. I appreciate that. Well, Cyrus, thank you so much for coming on the uh, Bentonville Beacon podcast again. Uh, you know, this has been really fascinating hearing about the progress that's been made. I imagine a time when this is probably going to end up happening again. And then we're going to have to string together a bunch of episodes and and repackage them or something. We'll see what that hap- how that works out. But, you know, I'm really excited about your work in the future of mobility. What this means for us here in Bentonville and across Northwest Arkansas, our state, and for every person on the planet. So I thank you for your work that you're doing. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity to visit and uh, look forward to hopefully have a lot more cool things to share in the future. Yeah, you bet. So thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. Please keep coming back to uh, learn more about Bentonville and its leaders and what's happening here to spark the rise of this place. Come back to learn more about Northwest Arkansas, this place where you get more of what you want 
and less of what you don't. And as always, visit BentonvilleBeacon.com to see all of our episodes or check them out on your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.